This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode on Press One for Nick. I'm your host, Nick Lemsdahl, Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. On this podcast, I sit down with customer service and customer experience leaders to talk about their stories, best practices, and lessons they've learned along the way. Let's get started. I'm excited today to have Andy Netzel. Andy is the VP of Client Success Effectiveness, Enterprise Payments, and Analytics at KeyBank. Welcome to the podcast, Andy. Hi, Nick. Good to hear you again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is one heck of a title. It sounds like, I don't know, three jobs wrapped into one. <laughs> Can you tell the listeners what you do at KeyBank? Well, banks are good for long titles. Um, <laughs> so, so basically, um, when, you think about, when you think about client experience, um, you're thinking about feedback. And whether that feedback comes from a client, an employee, or from um, business data, my team is responsible for understanding everything that's being said, prioritizing those pain points, um, and then figuring out how to make improvements, and then, of course, measuring those results. So um, whether it's a quick fix to a process or kind of a wholesale redesign of an experience, um, that's all in, the, all in the purview of my job. Wow. Sounds like a pretty important role. Um, you know, when we when we talked about it and we started prepping for this podcast, um, I was really excited because when we last talked about it, um, you mentioned that you wanted to talk about the importance of understanding expectations and, and the expectations not from just the employee, but also the client side. Um, and I think that there's a lot of times where some people focus on one or the other, and, and sometimes it's it's neither. But um, can you break down how you understand those expectations, um, maybe from both sides? Sure. Um, so um, my bias is expectations are one of the most underrated aspects of client experience. So I, I think as um, CX professionals, it's you know generally we're really good at um, uh, either getting the hold of, of what employees are thinking about um, how the business operates or how the clients are perceiving um, mm-hmm. the, the business. And a lot of times, like, if you're good at both of those things, that's good enough, right? Um, that's better than most. But when you kind of get down to that next level and you start to think about those expectations and how those play out um, and how that impacts the way that um, the perception of the business is, you get to much more actionable information and, and you get to really the, the crux of how you can solve pain points. So uh, let me give you a quick example. Um, Houston Airport, um, back in the early, early uh, 2000s, I think it was, um, their top complaint was how long it took to go get your bags after a flight. Mm-hmm. They looked at all this data and, you know, they timed it how long it took to, to get your bags and, and they realized they were a little behind the industry average. So they hired a bunch of folks um, and, you know, added job band, uh, job, um, jobs for bag handlers. And they got down to like eight minutes, which was just a hair under the industry average. And they sat back and they said, okay, let those surveys come in. And they saw that, um, 
you know, at, at the end of the day, there were just as many complaints. So they looked at all kinds of different solutions, um, trying to figure out how to tackle this problem. And um, they went to a couple other airports. And when they did that, um, you know, they realized that, you know, the time was right. The, the benchmarking data wasn't wrong. It was taking, you know, eight, nine minutes for those folks to get their bags as well. But their baggage claims were farther away. So by the time the clients got there, their bags were ready. And, and that's what the satisfying moment was. So um, they had done all these, all these plans, building conveyor belts and all sorts of futuristic things to make it go even faster. And uh, they scrapped all of those. They moved the baggage claim halfway across the airport, and then everybody was happy. No more complaints. <laughs> uh, that is, that, that's a crazy story. Uh, you know, if I was the the person who was uh, a regular, a frequent flyer there, and then you uh, took that information um, and, and pushed it halfway across the airport. Um, I don't know how I would feel, but you know, somebody who was brand new to that airport um, and they arrived on time uh, might be a, a different expectation, but um, uh, great story nonetheless. Um, so, you know, once you understand expectations you you have all this what's after that like what's next yeah so um you know i think i think under part of understanding those expectations is part of your root cause analysis process okay. and if you're if you're doing a good job with your root cause analysis you're going to get to what those expectations are then you're kind of left with two choices right you can either fix it you you can you can install the conveyor belts and make things run faster yep. or you can shift those expectations uh, and that can be maybe the way you market maybe the way you message um, you know just the way the the customer starts to perceive the way you include other cues to make change what they're expecting because um, a lot of times I have found when you start to dig into expectations it's not about always delivering to what they expected to happen sometimes it's just about um, folks feeling comfortable, feeling like, you know, um, fe feeling like you delivered on your promise. Yeah. So we actually saw um, something similar at T um, in our, in our commercial onboarding area, we had a ton of complaints from folks where they were talking about how many people were involved in the process. Um, so, you know, we did a lot of work on reducing handoffs and making sure that, you know, you had one single point of contact. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the bank culture things is we love to CC people on emails. Um, mm -hmm. Anyone who might be involved, that way they're, they're, just, they're just aware this thing is happening. Yeah. Well, as we started to dig in, we found the clients would see those emails and be like, oh, my God. You know, I've got Greg and Tammy and, uh, you know, <laughs> I've got Jake and Andy and Nick. Like, who are all these people? Why does it take 15 people to onboard, um, you know, a wire product? This is crazy. None of those people were talking, and they were just CC'd on the emails. So we said, yeah. guys, just, just put them in the BCC, and, you know, and, and don't let the client see it. And all of a sudden, we stopped getting complaints. Uh, so, you know, sometimes you don't have to do a transformational change. You just have to, like, sit and, and embrace empathy and kind of sit in those client shoes. 
Yeah, no, I love that. I, I think a lot of organizations do not sit in the client's shoes and and um, go through the process that they've implemented. Um, they could just kind of, they, they go through that process, implement it and say, hey, that was great, uh, but don't actually uh, call, go through the number and understand the journey. Um, you know, in, in speaking of journey and, and expectations, they're they're constantly changing, um, you know, with, with technology and automation and and um, just people are con- our organizations are constantly adapting. Everybody's trying to be the the Amazon or Zappos or uh, your your industry uh, best. So, what's your recommendation on keeping up with those changing expectations? Uh, I think part of it's just having a really robust VOC and VOE program. Right, um, you should always be listening, adapting, adjusting. Um, and you should always be ready for things that used to be true to not be true anymore. Um, I, I've had lots of uh, examples of that in my career where um, you look and you say, this is true that, you know, clients do X. I did the research. I did the regression analysis. This is, this is important. And you have to be able to understand sometimes that these signals change. And um, it goes back to that root cause analysis as well. If, if you've got the right signals and, and you're starting to see something that looks different, you know, challenge yourself and challenge the data and go in and say, do I have some kind of weird anomaly or is something actually changed here? And that might mean that's a place you, you do some further research on, um, you know, or you spend some time with more clients uh, and, and get in their shoes and get in their head. Yeah. Um, from your perspective, how many, maybe we just, in general, across all industries, how many people are actually keeping up with changing expectations? Um, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know from an industry standpoint yeah. what that looks like. Uh, I know that it is really easy to, to come to a conclusion and then, you know, I, I think a lot of times when someone new steps into a job, that's when you see kind of a, a fresh look and things start to change and shift. Um, so kind of that natural attrition can shape it, but um, there's no reason someone can't stay at a job for a while and just, you know, um, put, put on put on different pairs of glasses. Right. Yeah, good point. Um, you know, when, when other people are going through this and they're trying to understand expectations from both the employee and the client side, um, maybe share some specific roadblocks uh, for the listeners to watch out for. So I think the biggest enemy is assumptions. Um, it's so easy to fall into the trap um, thinking that you understand things. Uh, and I found that particularly true once you learn something new. So, um, you know, when you didn't understand something and you did the homework, you did the research, and you, you fully now understand that piece, maybe you spent a lot of time um, with clients, um, and you realize, boy, like there's things here that I'm, I'm actually assuming. Um, right. there's a, I, I went to school for journalism and, um, my, we have a, you go to, a, a, um, the, the legal side of journalism as part of those courses. And my old professor, Tim Smith, uh, he used to say, if your mother says she loves you, check it out. <laughs> and it's just that idea of trusting nothing, you know, yeah. no matter what, even something that seems super safe to assume, just pick it apart, you know, ask, ask the question, do I really know that? Uh, right. And I, I think that is, is um, definitely the, 
you know, where, where some things go astray. Mm. The, the other thing I would say, Nick, is um, we talked a little bit about empathy before, and it's just so vital, uh, yeah. you know, not only for understanding and making improvements, but also for proliferating the message and helping others join the cause. Um, yeah. So, you know, working on working on all sorts of things. And um, the, just the other day, I was talking to someone, and um, I, you know, we're, we we got a bunch of people now going through um, big financial changes due to COVID nineteen, and you know, we're saying, okay, hold on. I know that I know that this is the way we've always done that, but now picture you're unemployed, and picture that you've never had to worry about this kind of stuff before, and and now you're you're tuned in tuned into your um into your cash flow, and you want to you want to know this this thing exactly what it's going to be like right now. You want super predictable, super granular. Um, you know, now how do you feel? You know, oh, okay, I, I can see that maybe this is this is a bigger deal you know, than, than it might have otherwise been. So, you know, just tying in and kind of understanding where those clients sit and how they're looking at the world, I think is super important. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, you know, uh, trust, but verify and then, and then uh, continue to adapt in that moment is, is great. Uh, I, I like what your, uh, what your professor said. That was pretty funny. Um, you know, uh, two questions that I ask everybody um, that that join me is, uh, what's a book or person who has influenced you the most in the past year? Um, I don't know who it's by, but I just read The Power of Habit. Okay. And um, my big takeaway was really about success metrics. So, um, you know, as they talk about basically um, creating not only creating habits, but creating um, something that can be habitual. Uh, it, it really resonated. Um, I was talking about a data project the other day to one of the executives, and we were, we were all talking about adoption and the adoption plan and how we were going to roll it out and make sure that people were using it, how we would track. And the one person's like, oh, we can send usage reports to managers so they can reinforce that you have to use this new tool. And the executive said, um, something really insightful. You said, yeah. when you have to convince someone to adopt something, that's a problem. <laughs> Instead, just make sure it solves something really well. Just pick mm. one thing, one thing, and just make sure, like, if it does nothing else, it does that thing amazing, and that thing should be a big problem that needs to be solved. And if you can yeah. do that, you don't have to push adoption because at, at a minimum, they're going to go in to use it for that thing to solve that problem that they had that, that yeah. is no longer a problem. And when you got that thing nailed, then you can start moving on to all the other things you can do. But, you know, don't do 20 things in a, in a half-assed manner. Do one thing really, really good. Hmm. That's great advice. I appreciate that. And then the second question is, if you could leave a note to all customer service and or customer experience professionals, what would it say? <laughs> uh <laughs> You know, I would say, and, and I'm guilty of this, um, yeah. don't fight targets, but don't live in the dashboard. Mm. So I, I have been the, the, the staunchest advocate of like, especially in this culture of um, where, where net promoter scores become kind of the, the thing that everybody looks at. It's in board meetings, it's in, you know, every deck. 
Um, yeah. I really don't want to set a target because I think it sets the wrong behavior. Um, yeah. You know, you should be looking at other KPIs, uh, you know, increasing, increasing satisfaction and likelihood to recommend is important. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's not necessarily the, the right business metric, the right way to look at things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got to look at it kind of multifaceted. So I fought it, I fought it, I fought it. Um, you know, after about a year of fighting it, um, you know, I submitted my KPIs this year, and of course they have an NPS target on it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't worth the fight. It wasn't worth all that energy thinking about yeah, it. Right. Um, but, you know, sitting there and watching those dashboards and, and trying to hit that and, and saying, boy, we're going we're gonna to hit this NPS number. We're going to do it, guys. That's not the right way to approach it either. You know, like, let, yeah. let that target, pick, pick that target or, or leverage that target to drive other activity um, yeah. that you know is going to ultimately matter. At the end of the day, you know, we want to, we want to do all the right things. We want our, we want our clients to um, spend more money because they want to spend more money with us, right? They want to choose us over, over competitors when they're, uh, when they're comparing. Um, and, and we can drive all those metrics uh, and the byproduct of all of that should be, you know, the reason that it, that they're doing that is because they're more satisfied. Mm. You know, one one thing that just popped into my head is maybe you can um, make the tellers farther away from the door, kind of like what the Houston Airport did, to create a better experience. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if that would help or hurt your NPS score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. We um, I, I think what's really interesting is how close it how close it is these days. Because when you look at your phone, you got all the banking in the world on yeah. that phone right there. So we've we've done the absolute opposite. We've yeah. said, uh, hey, that branch is in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, right. We're here for you when you want us. Um, that's right. That's awesome. That's great. Well. Uh, appreciate that. Um, how can the uh, the listeners um, get a hold of you or, or uh, connect with you online? Yeah, uh, feel free to search Andy Netzel on on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way to find me. And um, uh, happy to happy to connect and to uh, you know chat via that platform. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, thanks again for your time, Andy. I, I really appreciate it, and uh, look forward to catching up with you here shortly. Well, and thanks for all you do, Nick. Uh, it's always great to bump into you as, uh, you know, we, we work on problems together. Yeah. All right. Thanks again. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm Nick Limsdahl, and until next time, focus on the customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.